Hey, everybody, it's Matt. Our Growing Greater podcast showcases some really inspiring stories, and it's made possible in part thanks to the team at Chester County. One of the three original counties in the Penn Colony, Chester County is known for its bustling boroughs, preserved open space, concentrated business parks, and sprawling farmland. These factors have helped Chester County and many of its towns and school districts stand out on numerous top 10 and best of lists in both the state and the nation. With nearly 30% of the county's land dedicated as open space and with more than 280 miles of surface trails, it's easy to see why Chester County's active residents have helped to make it the healthiest county in the state. Factors contributing to Chester County's ranking as the fourth happiest in the nation, it includes the world-renowned Longwood Gardens. It's been voted the best public garden in the U.S. And the boroughs of Westchester and Phoenixville, well, they're ranked among the top 10 most exciting places in Pennsylvania. And four of the top five Philadelphia suburbs in which to raise a family, they too are located in Chester County. Learn more at chesco.org. And join me in thanking Chester County for believing in us at Select Greater Philadelphia and for their support of this podcast. This is Growing Greater, Growing Greater. bringing you the stories of economic growth, job creation, and business success from across the 11-county community of northern Delaware, southern New Jersey, and southeastern Pennsylvania. Now, here's Matt Gabry. Matt, that applies to anything that anybody does. You know, you may take a step to the right. If you had taken a step to the left, you might have been hit by a bus, but right. you take a step to the right and you find a million dollars. That's Sharon Pinkinson, leader of the Greater Philadelphia Film Office. And she has taken many steps to the left and to the right and has run full speed throughout her multifaceted career. Regular listeners of our Growing Greater podcast, you know that I'm a big fan of milestone moments and how they can shape our personal and professional lives. Oftentimes, those moments happen by chance. We may not even recognize them when they're happening. The key, it's maximizing those milestones. How do we do that can lead to missed opportunities or great success. The key is maximizing those milestones. And how we do that, it can lead to missed opportunities or to great success. While today the name Sharon Pinkinson is synonymous with the film industry in the greater Philadelphia region and in the state and the country and even internationally, Sharon has navigated many milestone moments throughout her life and her career. Sharon shares with us insights into how she and her team have grown the film office into one of the most significant economic drivers in the city, the region, and the state. How she navigated from being a dental hygienist to a wardrobe stylist to the role that she has held since 1992 leading the film office. Sharon also shares how she was inspired by the then newly elected mayor, Ed Rendell, and how he was inspired by her. Those seeds of inspiration and action have transformed Philadelphia into one of the best media production centers in the country. To kick off the action, Sharon takes us back to her roots. Born and raised in Philadelphia, I'm an only child. I guess by the time I was five, 
we moved to Levittown, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. where they had built Pennsylvania Turnpike. Oh, yeah. And all of the traveling salesmen and their families moved to Levittown because they could get to their territories. We lived there from the time I was five until I was 15 in two different houses. We went from a tiny little house called a Levittowner to the country clubber. Nice. Big, big time, yeah. big time. Moving up, right. <laughs> and at 15, we moved to Center City, Philadelphia. Oh, what a neat transition from Levittown, which if memory serves correctly, it's really considered to be one of the earliest planned suburban communities in the country. Absolutely, yes. But what a cool experience that you're able to kind of for 10 years grow up in a suburban community and then at 15 transition to a little bit more of an urban community and kind of back to your roots of Philadelphia having been born on South Broad Street? Well, at some point, my parents joined their family in the family business, which was at Third and Market. Hmm. My grandfather had a neckwear factory called Cadet Neckwear at 12 North Third Street. And my grandmother and uncle and my mother ran Tie Corner. Hmm. And another uncle ran Shirt Corner. And my dad ran Pants Corner. (laughs) It was wholesale to the public. And it was something that I actually, as a kid, as a young kid, would work there on weekends and over holiday breaks. A lot of times in the summer, everybody else was going away, I would work in the tie store. I'm so glad you shared that with us, Sharon. In part because, one, it tells us a little bit about the journey that you experienced as a young person in your career, which I want to touch on as well. But I also want to touch on the fact that it's not lost on me that we're sitting at 4th and Market right now, about 100 yards from Tie Corner, Shirt Corner, and Pant Corner. And tie, around. tie Corner was 300 Market. This That's is incredible. 400. Yeah. So this is a little bit of a coming home for you as well. I mean, you live in Center City, Philadelphia now, but the fact that you're on the old block that you used to hang out on when you were a kid with your family and your family's business is pretty cool. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's really <laughs> Happy neat. to be here. Yeah, I love that. So you end up graduating from Temple. And what's your first kind of break, if you will? What do you consider your first career to be? Because well, my first career was dental hygiene. And I okay. actually practiced as a dental hygienist for eight years. I worked for a periodontist in the Elkins Park House, Manny Tress. What a great guy. Yeah. But then I wanted to get out of that. And I decided I and my best girlfriend decided that we were going to start a business. Mm-hmm. And we were going to start a business in time for the bicentennial. Oh, sure where we thought, oh, this was going to be a bonanza. We would open some kind of a business and we would make all this money because of the bicentennial. Yeah, and all these guests coming to visit Philadelphia. Precisely. But I don't know if, were you in Philadelphia in those days? I was, sure. Well, it was a bust. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let's face it, it was a bust. But the good news is that the city wasn't up to snuff the way we are now in terms of creating events and celebrations. So... Actually, the first business that we finally created was a boutique called Plage Tahiti, Hmm. which was on uh, 17th Street, 128 South 17th Street. Actually, the original store was next door, 130 South 17th Street, down a few steps. Okay. And so I had this boutique for a number of years, and it was very successful, and I started designing the collection because Mm. I always knew how to sew. I would sew for myself. I learned in my grandfather's neckwear factory Mm -hmm. where I learned about pattern making and manufacturing, really, instead of just one at a time clothes for myself. So I designed the collection called Plage Tahiti, and then I started selling it in boutiques elsewhere and then around the country and then in department stores. And by then, 
the horrible thing happened in the world, and that was the AIDS virus. Mm. So that was a very, very difficult time. The industry that I was working in was decimated, was being decimated. Everybody in the arts and in the clothing industry and in the music industry, people were getting sick, and I was getting calls from friends about how sick they were. And it was a really horrible, difficult time, and I felt like I... I just had to do something else. Mm. And I, I kicked around for around six months doing some other things. I was a photographer's rep, a mm-hmm. couple of things. And then a photographer friend of mine got a gig doing catalog. Most creative guy you ever saw in your life who got a catalog for Lit Brothers, I think it cool. was, or something. Yeah. And it was, just a, it was just a job. And he said that he needed a stylist. And did I know anybody? And I said, What's a stylist? Right. I swear to God. And when he told me, and he told me how much it paid, I said, "Are you kidding? I can do that in my right. sleep." Yeah. So that was how I moved into the film business because I started doing television commercials, mm-hmm. uh, doing wardrobe for television commercials, and I I ended up working as a stylist and then a costume designer mm-hmm. and a costume supervisor on feature films when they came to town. Yeah. And I did that for eight years. It was yeah. a lot of eight-year stints. Yeah, so, right, right. So That's your sweet that, spot, eight that, years. Eight yeah. years. Well, yeah. now I'm way past that. <laughs> so then at the end of the eight years in still working, there was this bit of business that was going on in Philadelphia, and that was a mayoral election. Mm-hmm. And the mayoral election in that year was between Frank Rizzo. Yeah, I remember. And Ed Rendell. Yeah. And if you recall, at the end, I guess it was the end of the summer, Frank mm-hmm. Rizzo suddenly died. It was July. Yeah. July. In okay. his office. Yeah. So that was like, no one was going to try to mount another Republican right. in Philadelphia because he was running as a Republican. Mm-hmm. And so it was obvious that Ed Rendell was going to be the next mayor. And I didn't know him at all, but mm-hmm. he was talking about economic development and cleaning up the city and cleaning up, you know, the politics and sure. the avenue of the arts and yeah, he had bringing a fresh I mean, yeah. it was amazing it was yeah. ama- and he inspired me so much and by then i was on the union board the local board and on the executive board so i was the only woman on the executive board and, and i i went to this meeting i said you know we're gonna have this new mayor mm-hmm. and he's talking about economic development and all these things and about the arts but he's not saying anything about film right so i, I think we should go talk to him yeah yeah and they were like Okay, you do it. You do it, it right. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, they were smart <laughs> to pick you to do it. So I sat down. I, by then, I was a single parent with a little girl, and mm-hmm. I had a little Apple 2C computer. Mm-hmm. If you even yeah, you sure, imagine I what that looked like. Yeah. Wish I had it now. I hear those things are worth a lot of money. Right. And I typed out a proposal for the Greater Philadelphia Film Office. Very Because cool. in those days, everyone was talking about regionalism. Right. Yeah, right. still are sometimes. Uh, well, and I think you know a lot about regionalism, <laughs> right, do. Matt? Sure. So I thought, well, you know, let me jump on that bandwagon mm-hmm. because if we're going to rejuvenate the film office, which, by the way, is the same phone number I have today, is the phone number that I would call constantly to say, is any work coming in? Is any right. work coming in? Because I was earning a great living doing commercials. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was in the union and I was first call. I was working on all the big shows. Yeah. And I had regular clients and, and I was freelance and it was a wonderful, yeah. it was a wonderful situation. But we weren't getting movies. Uh, we were just getting, you know, a couple days of a movie. Yeah, right, right. And I would always call this number and say, you know, is anything coming in? They'd say, well, keep calling. You know, we're getting these calls and, you know, we'll let you know. Yeah. Or just keep calling. And it was like, 
Yeah. Really, and I said, we've got, there was nobody there. The only person running it was a, a single civil servant secretary. Mm-hmm. I say that three times fast. <laughs> so I want to dive into that a little bit more. And there's a couple things I want to touch on here, Sharon. But to your point that you're sharing with us right now, the film office in the city of Philadelphia was actually established in 1985. I'm not sure Correct. how many people necessarily appreciate that nuance. But to your point... It wasn't really anything other than a processing office that was approving permits and things like that, if I understand it correctly. And you saw the opportunity in that inspiration that you were getting from newly elected Mayor Ed Rendell that was causing you to say, I want to think a little bit differently about the film industry in greater Philadelphia. That's right. And you had a vision, similar to Mayor Rendell's at the time, to rejuvenate not just the film industry, but use it as a tool to complement the mayor's vision for economic development and really make Philadelphia and southeastern Pennsylvania a hub for the film industry. And you took it to the next level. So this little kind of permit processing office in the city administration, if you will. It was. It was a holy city office. Yeah, it was Mm -hmm. a sleepy little, with all due respect to the team that was there, it was a sleepy little kind of paper processing operation to approve and stamp permits and, you know, approve different processes for filmmaking or television commercials or other kinds of shoots, if you will, that required approval from the city to close a street or secure a corner or whatever the process needed to be. And where I'm going with all this, Sharon, is you saw something and you took action. So what happened when you called Mayor Rendell? Well, I called and I reached out and asked him for a meeting. Mm-hmm. And so he was doing a lot of meetings you know, during that time. And he accepted my invitation yeah. and we had lunch at the Palm. And of course, he had just been elected mm-hmm. and everybody wanted to meet him and shake his hand. I had hardly had a minute to talk to him yeah. because there was so much activity. Right. And I handed him this proposal for this regional film commission called the Greater Philadelphia Film Office because I thought, well, if we're going to do this thing, we don't want them to have another organization in Bucks, Chester, Delaware, or Montgomery counties. It should all be in one. By the way, the first thing I learned to do when I got the job was to say them in alphabetical order. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure. So, you know, he said, you know, this is great. This is great. And he was like, you remember the foam out of the corners of his mouth? And and he said, I need a business plan on my desk by Monday. So, you know what? I had a business. Yeah. I figured I could sit down and write, what's a business plan? You know, right. I'll sit down and write a business punch something plan. Out. Yeah. yeah, I'll punch it out. Back to the Apple IIc computers, you know, send it in there. And, you know, long story short, I got the job. But he started talking about how he was going to rejuvenate the film office. It was right up his alley. Yeah. It was something he hadn't thought of. He caught right onto it. He believed in it. Yeah. He knew it was great economic development. It was great for tourism. It was great for the reputation of the city. He got it right yeah. away. So before we jump ahead to nuances of the film industry, I do want to come back to one or two things about kind of what has shaped you in your career. And you touched on something that is memorable for me. For eight years, you were a dental hygienist and you were having success doing it and working with a great dentist and and really appreciated the environment you were in, or clearly you wouldn't have kept doing it for eight years. But you had that milestone moment to transition into starting your own business, opening a boutique on South 17th Street. How hard was that for you to say, I'm going to totally shift gears and walk away from kind of this space that I know so well and really take a risk with a friend to open a your own boutique and start doing some design work and some style work and make a go at it. Do you reflect on that and say, man, that was tough. I was crazy back it then. Was, well, it was really tough because I was married 
and I was not able to get a business loan mm. unless my husband co-signed. Right. Everything was very different. Yeah. You know, I've seen, we've all seen a lot of changes, and yeah. it's been a whirlwind of changes, but that was the reality then. Mm-hmm. But I felt very strongly, I and my partner really felt like we knew what we were doing. We never wanted to open a boutique. We wanted to do something entrepreneurial, but we thought it was such a cliche for two women to own a boutique in those days. But right. in the end, that was the only thing that we both really knew what the next steps were, because we had both worked in retail, and we both understood fashion and we had a plan Mm -hmm. so you know we were very committed to it we were very good at it yeah i love it and the reason i wanted to come back to that sharon plage tahiti your boutique on south 7th street is because that truly is as i mentioned a milestone moment in your career in that it cascaded to ultimately where you are today when you think about it it exposed you to the world of you know style or stylist i should say so you opened this shop in 1977, and that cascaded to this kind of exposure to new doors that would open for you over the next 10 to 15 years, that if you hadn't taken that plunge back in 77, everything else that has transpired in your career may not have actually transpired in that same way, I suspect. No, Matt, that applies to anything that anybody does. You know, you may take a step to the right. Yeah. If you had taken a step to the left, you might have been hit by a bus, but right. you take a step to the right and you find a million dollars. I mean, you know, there's just no, who knows why these things happen, but I was very motivated. I aspired to do great things. I've always been very passionate about whatever I'm doing. I loved every job I've ever had. Yeah, right. Quite frankly, because I am a great optimist. You know, some people say, do you have a glass half full or a glass half empty? I always say mine is overflowing. Yeah. And what's with the half? I don't understand that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I like that. That's a great approach to take in terms of how we live our lives, right? So you get this business plan together. You put it on the desk of Mayor Rendell's administration with a new vision for a film office that is so much more. Right. And he gives you a break and says, yeah, I want Sharon to be the new lead for the Greater Philadelphia Film Office. I started out, I mean, I originally was hired to be the acting director of the Philadelphia Film Office in January of 1992. And Mayor offered me the job for a dollar a year and my health insurance. If you remember all these other people that he brought into the administration were very wealthy and they were able to jump in there and just get paid a dollar a year in their health insurance. And I said, Mayor, I can't do that. I'm a single parent with a, you know, I have a seven-year-old daughter and, you know, I can't do that. And he said, no, you got to do it. I'm going to help you raise the money. I'm going to help you raise the money. So I said, well, Mayor, I'll do it, but I can only do it for 60 days. And if we haven't raised the money, by 60 days, I have to go out and get a commercial. Yeah, good for you. And on the 64th day, we raised enough money to pay me retroactively. I wasn't right. going to let that happen. Right, right. Retroactively and through to July 1, or June 30th, I should say. Yeah. And July 1, we became a part of an organization called Greater Philadelphia Economic Development Coalition, mm-hmm. which subsequently changed its name to Greater Philadelphia First. Oh, yeah. And we became a program of Greater Philadelphia First. Sure. And we resided... From 1992 until I got a call, we were as a program of theirs, until the spring of 1999, I got a call from that office 
saying that they were going to merge. It was Governor Schweiker at the time who was running Greater Philadelphia First, and he decided that he was going to merge it into the Greater Philadelphia Chamber of Commerce. I was going to say, we have a lot in common because (laughs) Select Greater Philadelphia was born out of the coming together of Greater Philadelphia First and the Chamber of Commerce. Absolutely, and I was there to see it all happen. But exactly. so I had no idea. And they basically weren't taking us with them. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of like a slap in the face. Yeah, right. And so, okay, what are my choices? What do I do now? And I looked at how film commissions were set up in the United States and around the world, in cities and in states and in countries. And I knew that they were either wholly government mm-hmm. or they were economic development nonprofits mm-hmm. or they were part of tourism. They could be right. like part of a tourism agency. Right. And I looked at all of those and I said, we're going to become a nonprofit. Right. Which is the dumbest thing I ever did <laughs> in my entire career, you know. So it's now twenty-seven years of being a nonprofit, right? And it's very difficult because we do as much as more than than any film commission has ever done before. Yeah. I mean, we really educate and support, and we do so many things that our filmmakers can grow into having great careers and learning new skills and writing screenplays, and mm-hmm. you know we. We work in every single aspect and all ages, whether they're professional or wish to be, and obviously all the economic development and attraction and keeping tabs on economic impacts and so on. So, But we're not curing cancer, Matt, and there's a lot of people out there curing cancer and feeding people and doing all kinds of things, and they don't, there's, you know, we're, we're having a hard time with them trying to understand what great things we do for people who want to be filmmakers and they all get it they understand it totally and it's hard to i i hear what you're saying sharon it's hard to compare those great initiatives that are working on significant health challenges that are nonprofits and they're raising money and collecting funds from folks who are passionate about that but don't sell yourself short. Embrace that full, overflowing glass. Oh, sure. Because well, 27 you, years, yeah, Matt. I, <laughs> right. <laughs> because yes. you're, you're creating jobs and you're creating an economic vibrancy. And you know, I, I know from reading your materials, over $5 billion of economic well, we're at development. Five, we were at $5.5 billion before we started the current fiscal year. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to hit $6 billion yeah. this That's pretty this incredible year. and something to be really proud of. It's a lot. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I am proud of it. In a time of tradition, in a place of privilege, Newland Archer lived his life by the rules of his society. I want everybody to know. What? That we're engaged. TriStar Pictures presents... The law's been broken. I just want what is fair, what is right. You remember the law, don't you? A Jonathan Demme picture. So let's talk about what this case is really all about. Did you fire Andrew Beckett because he had AIDS? The general public's hatred, our loathing, our fear. In this courtroom, Mr. Miller, justice is blind to matters of sexual orientation. We don't live in this courtroom, no, do we? Did you ever talk to your mom about how things are? I don't tell her things. Why not? Because she doesn't look at me like everybody else, and I don't want her to. I don't want her to know. Know what? I see dead people walking around like regular people. I don't see anything. Are you sure they're there? Thanks to the work of Sharon and her team, 
Some of the greatest movies of all time have filmed right here in the greater Philadelphia region. From director Martin Scorsese's The Age of Innocence, to the groundbreaking film Philadelphia, starring Tom Hanks, to M. Night Shyamalan's breakout thriller The Sixth Sense. Those professionals have all recognized and utilized the fantastic assets of greater Philadelphia to help make their films extra special. These talented, smart filmmakers, they chose Philadelphia, thanks not only to the amazing talent that's here, but they also know that they will receive exceptional support from Sharon and her team with things like expert location scouting, securing just that right room, that park, or that street, and they also make it easy to complete the shoot, too. In short, it's a level of service that Sharon has perfected and that is unmatched in the industry. Equally important, it's about affordability. The tax credit program that Sharon and her team have championed and secured, it's a crucial element for the film production industry, and it's a key ingredient for why filmmakers want their productions to be created in southeastern Pennsylvania, making the Greater Philadelphia Film Office and the film production industry such a powerful economic driver across our region. We'll be back with Sharon in just a moment, but first, let's thank Coral Homes. Coral Homes is a boutique hotel experience like none other, providing customized services and thoughtfully designed travel accommodations. At Coral Homes, guests experience designer living in high-quality comfort, state-of-the-art technology, and 24-7 top-shelf amenities. Coral Homes is especially perfect for film production crews and VIP guests. For authentic and extra special accommodations, make your next stay in Philadelphia at Coral Homes. For a night, a week, a month, or longer, it's Coral Homes. Learn more at mycoralhome.com. That's mycoralhome.com. And join me in thanking the team at Coral Homes for their support of our podcast. So I want to go back to those early days as well in the film office of that first big project that you remember that you're like, man, this is a win. I love this one. I'm working so hard to get it. And we got it. Do you have that moment? I actually had two of them almost on top of one another. Yeah. So I started in January and six, eight weeks later, I got a call that Martin Scorsese Mm -hmm was making a movie that took place in the late 19th century, and they were looking all over the country for an authentic 19th century opera house. I said, I got it. Right. Hello, I have it, the Academy of Music. I mean, we even have gas lights in there. It's, you know, it's perfect. Yeah. And they came down to Philadelphia to scout it, and they wanted to, obviously, to shoot there. They fell so in love with it, like it, everybody else does. The movie was called The Age of Innocence. Okay. And it was a spectacular movie. And they were only here for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. We actually took a section of Broad Street in front of the Academy of Music of about two blocks and covered it with dirt mm-hmm. and carriages, mm-hmm. 19th century carriages. And it was supposed to take place in the winter and we got permission to trim back the trees because this we were going to do it over Memorial Day weekend. It was really quite a thing. So that was huge. I mean, my first movie was Marty Scorsese. Yeah, Hello. that is huge. Yeah, <laughs> that's huge. You may have even been the inspiration for Mayor Rendell's Avenue of the Arts because to see a movie shoot taking place on South Broad Street in this must have been ninety one. 
right? 92? Well, this was in 92. Yeah, that we were 92, doing. Mm-hmm. right. Yes. Well, actually, we give Midge Rendell credit for, yeah, that's uh, for true. the Avenue. That's the right. That was that's her true. idea. Yeah. But then right after that, right after we finished that shoot for The Age of Innocence, a producer, his name is Ron Bozeman, called and said that he works with this director named Jonathan Demme, who had just won the Oscar for Best Picture for Silence of the Lambs, which happened to have shot in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan was making a movie, very different kind of movie, about a legal drama. Mm-hmm, right. And we we're looking for a courthouse. And quite frankly, Jonathan really wants to shoot in New York. He wants to sleep in his own bed at night. But mm-hmm. they were looking at Chicago and Boston and Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. And, and they just wanted to see what we had because there had just been a movie that everybody was dying to see that was called Bonfire of the Vanities, which was a courtroom drama. Everybody loved the book and they couldn't wait to see this movie. I remember. And the movie was a total disaster. Yeah. And one of the problems was that they couldn't get a courtroom. Then they had to use some dumb courtroom in New Jersey that wasn't very creative at all. Right. And when they called me, I said, oh, my God, if we have the greatest courthouse in the world. You know, I didn't want to tell them it was City Hall because I thought they would. Yeah, cringe. Cringe. Yeah. And so because, you know, they didn't know. They mm-hmm. hadn't seen it. So I talked them into coming to Philadelphia to see it. And I remember they I picked them up at the train and took them over to City Hall. And I said, there's our courthouse. And they said, that's City Hall. And they said, Yes, but that's our courthouse. And I talked them in getting in there, and yep. we looked at all of these unbelievable courtrooms in City Hall, the most gorgeous mm-hmm. collection of courtrooms you would find anywhere at all, each of them different. And I told them that they not only could they, thanks to Governor Rendell or Mayor Rendell at the time, mm-hmm. I worked out a bunch of deals with him about, you know, what could the film office, what could we say we could do and what couldn't we do? How was it going to work? We had set all of that up in advance. Right. And I insisted that city-owned property would be free for filmmaking. In other words, we wouldn't charge them a, a location fee right. if it's city-owned property. That as long sense. as we were able to provide it, I mean, as yeah. you know, we if it was his courtroom, the judge would have to agree right. for us to use his courtroom. And the only charges that we would that they would be charged would be costs incurred. Yeah. So, in other words, if there's union people and there's yeah. overtime, and they would have to pay those fees. Sure. But the the rental of the courtroom and the use of the building was no fee for that. That makes so, perfect sense, Sharon, because yeah. it's it's taxpayer funded property anyway, right? Right, That's, right. And really but smart. any but but any other employee expenses that yeah, that, that were sense. overtime or anything, they had to pay for all of that. Mm-hmm. And so we made a movie called Philadelphia. Nice. Talk with us a little bit more about the regional impact, the jobs, the economic driver. And you just touched on this a little bit, the image and the brand awareness impact that Greater Philadelphia Film Office has had on the region. And and I I should say, it's not just the city of Philadelphia, as great as the city is to shoot in and around, we have exceptional suburban locations as well that really stand out in terms of sets, if you will. I know even the film Philadelphia, the family of Tom Hanks lived in suburban Philadelphia. Right, I think it was shot line. in Marion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. But there's so much in Chester County and Bucks County and Delaware County yeah. and Montgomery County that this kind of landscape just lends itself to this kind of storytelling. It's actually a very unique place to shoot film. I mean, Philadelphia really has everything with southeastern Pennsylvania. You know, we have entire neighborhoods that are intact from every period in our nation's history, from colonial and pre-colonial, you know, all the way to you know, 19th century and mm-hmm. all, like so many various neighborhoods that really 
look great. I mean, the reason we did Jonathan Demme after we did the movie Philadelphia, I got a call a couple years later that he was doing another movie, and it was supposed to take place in Cincinnati in the 19th century mm-hmm. called Beloved mm-hmm. with Oprah Winfrey. And, yeah, sure, and, I remember. And I got a call from Ron. At, they were out in Cincinnati, and they couldn't find two 19th century buildings next to each other in the whole town. Wow. So I said, come on back. And yeah. they said, well, what have you got? I said, well, my goodness, I mean, that third market where my family was, you know, yeah. Third Street, North Third Street and Arch yeah, and all of that is 19th century. And that's where we shot it. <laughs> that's great. I love that. So, Sharon, I want to shift gears slightly and I want to go to one topic that I think might be one of your favorites, one of your passions, and that is the uh, Filmmakers Program. Oh, yes. Can you talk with us a little bit about what is the Filmmakers Program and how did you and your team kind of evolve it? So the Filmmakers Program is the pure nonprofit side of what we do. So it includes everything from our Set in Philadelphia screenwriting competition, which Mm -hmm. gives out cash prizes, and it is one of the top screenplay competitions in the country. We've been running it for many, many years. We have at least monthly educational programming that is either free to members of our GPFO Next get to come for free, and it's it's only like a $75 membership mm-hmm. for a year, or you can come and, you know, pay 15 bucks or something to come to a, an event. Yeah. And that's why, you know, we need donations. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's because of, you know, because of these educational programming and keeping it affordable. We do training. We do screenings of local filmmakers, films that you might not have had a chance to see. We, in our programs, you know, we'll teach filmmakers like a how-to, you know, mm-hmm. and to talk about so many different subjects. So, you know, that's really, you know, fantastic. We also serve as fiscal sponsors mm. for mostly documentary filmmakers who are trying to raise money for their documentary. You know, they'll go, they'll have this fantastic idea to do a documentary, mm-hmm. and they'll try to raise money for it. And people don't want to invest in it because the likelihood is documentaries don't make money for their investors, right. but people are passionate about this particular subject. So they'll want to give money. And if they give money through their fiscal sponsorship, which is what we do, we serve as a fiscal sponsor for them, mm-hmm. then it is a tax deductible donation because we're a nonprofit. So we help, we manage all the money, we make sure we're, we're responsible to the federal government to make sure that everything is paid exactly right, that the money is well used, and that is a program. Joan Bressler in my office is fantastic. She's been running every aspect of the filmmaker program for a very, very long time, since we've had it. Yeah. And she does a fantastic job. So there's, you know, there's constantly new things that we're adding to that, all kinds of programming, but the fiscal sponsorship is a really great thing, and we you know, have maybe 30 clients at any given time mm-hmm. making mostly documentaries. I love that filmmakers program because it's having impact in unexpected ways. And I want to transition to what's next. And I have a couple areas to touch on here. And maybe you have already referenced some of this. You can change one thing when it comes to the work that you and your team do at the Greater Philadelphia Film Office. So you can change one thing. It's that thing that's keeping you up at night, Sharon. Is there one thing that stands out for you? It's really the funding. Mm -hmm. Well, look, but the one thing that keeps me up at Mm -hmm. night year after year after year is the fact that the Pennsylvania legislators, the majority Mm -hmm. side of them, don't get it. Mm -hmm. They just 
don't understand what an enormous economic driver the film industry is. We are living in the golden age of film right now. Mm-hmm. And when I say film, I really mean moving pictures because right. it, it's the old-fashioned word is the only thing that works because there's so many different distribution models. Right. And so streaming television has turned this industry into a worldwide behemoth. Mm-hmm. And it's not even fathomable how big it is and how much bigger it's getting every single day. Yeah. So the work is out there. These people spend a tremendous amount of movie. Their work is better than has ever been. The mm-hmm. quality of the work is, is absolutely remarkable. And we're capped at $70 million. And we started out with Governor Rendell at $75 million. Mm-hmm. And we are competing, and that's for the whole state. We're the only state in the nation that has two major production centers, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, two right. equally big production centers. And yet we're competing with states like Georgia, mm-hmm. which has an uncapped tax credit. And last year, they reported that their economic impact was $9.4 billion, so 9.2. Right. I forget what the number was, but it was over $9 billion yeah, yeah. last year. So to be clear, the $70 million that the Pennsylvania legislature makes available across the Commonwealth, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia being the dominant ones, is really a tool in the toolkit to incentivize a production company to come to southeastern Pennsylvania to make their film or their television show or their production, correct? Correct. Yeah. And if the filmmaker comes and they, or they want to come and they can't get the tax credit because it's already spent mm-hmm. for the year, because mm-hmm. it has to be renewed, Pennsylvania has a budget, has to be renewed every single year, yeah. which is a nightmare for attracting business, sure. then they they won't come. Right. They just go someplace where they they'll get the tax credit. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you were the business person, wouldn't yeah. you? Totally. So that makes good sense. And what I'm taking from this part of our conversation, Sharon, is it's education among decision makers who can help infuse uh, the economic driver of the production business in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And growing infrastructure. We need the infrastructure. Yeah. And um, no one's going to invest in the infrastructure, new studios, new equipment housing, right. and everything that you need if there's not a guaranteed tax credit. Yeah. And that's the other part that I was thinking of, the guaranteed part. Stability, reliability, letting folks know that we're here for you for the long term. It's not an annual, let's, well, maybe we'll be here next year, maybe it won't be type of thing. That's right. So people can plan. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It makes good sense. It really does. So big picture. And this question is really special for you, I have to say, based on our conversation in that you were born in Philadelphia on South Broad Street. You spent time in the Pennsylvania suburbs up in Bucks County. Since the time you were 15 years old, you've lived in Center City, Philadelphia. You've had the great privilege and opportunity to travel around to different countries and different parts of the United States and North America. Yeah, I love to travel. <laughs> What's missing when it comes to greater Philadelphia? If anything, it could be perfect or you know, you have such a pride in your hometown. But again, this is coming back to, man, if we could just get this right. We could do so much more. You know, Philadelphia is filled with great innovators. Mm-hmm. But, you know, government sometimes really kind of clogs up the arteries. And it's not inviting. And, you know, we really we really need to, you know, invest in our schools We need to pay our teachers a lot of money Mm -hmm. because they're the most important people we could possibly invest in. And we need to be better at 
working with businesses that are really impacting the economy for everyone, Mm -hmm. for everyone. And anytime people in parts of the state that are not in Pittsburgh area or Philadelphia area that think that the filmmaking industry, what is it, white or not interested, we don't care about it. If they get anything that shoots in their area, they get it right away. They totally get it because they think, they imagine that there's, you know, a hairdresser and a makeup artist and a cameraman and an actress. And And that's it. And, you know, like a couple of people walking around with some equipment when in fact, you know, there's 200 people on the set in in a given day that are working a 12 hour maybe a 12-hour day Mm -hmm. and getting paid overtime and all of those people are buying and buying and buying Mm -hmm. from themselves. You know, what we're doing is we are manufacturing entertainment. The impact Sharon has had on the film industry and on our greater Philadelphia community, it's remarkable. And it will have a tremendous lasting impact on not just our economy, but on our brand, our image, and our reputation nationally and globally. As more film and television productions continue to be made in Pennsylvania and across our greater Philadelphia community, employing thousands and generating economic growth, we here at Growing Greater will be watching the big screen and the small screens too. If you like listening to this episode, please be sure to rate and review our podcast and share it with friends and colleagues and family and through social media. Be sure to check out other episodes of Growing Greater at radio.com, wherever you get your podcast, or at selectgreaterphl.com slash podcast. Hey, as we wrap this episode, we want you to know that it was made possible thanks to the team at Wells Fargo. The people of Wells Fargo, they focus on performing their best every day so they can do more for their customers, their colleagues, communities, and shareholders. As one of the oldest and largest financial services firms in the United States, Wells Fargo offers retail and commercial banking products and services to individuals, small businesses, middle market companies, large corporations, and institutions. With offices in 37 countries and territories, the Wells Fargo team is uniquely positioned to support their customers who conduct business around the corner and in the global economy. Learn more at wellsfargo.com and join me in thanking Wells Fargo for believing in us at Select Greater Philadelphia. Growing Greater is presented by Select Greater Philadelphia, a council of the Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia. Select is the business attraction organization for Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania. And it helps to grow the economic vibrancy of our collective community by attracting new businesses, jobs, and talent to our region. Special thanks to our program producers, Elena Carmazan and Maricela Juarez, along with the great team of marketing and creative services professionals at our chamber. To learn more about establishing, expanding, and growing your business or career in Greater Philadelphia, come visit us at selectgreaterphl.com.